You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in to another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. This is our Sunday football episode. It is normally centered around the Miami Dolphins, but after that conference championship weekend, we absolutely had to go and do a podcast on this football weekend and just the craziness that ensued. Please do subscribe to the other podcasts from the Five Reasons Sports Network, including the Fish Tank, which actually is run by Seth Levitt, who runs the Jason Taylor Foundation. You've been hearing the ads all over our podcast for the Wiffle Blast team. Five Reasons uh, performed, I would say, admirably, uh, considering our uh, lack of talent and uh, our, our lack of prowess in playing wiffle ball our first time there. There were like some legit professionals that were firing fastballs and knew how to put English on pitches. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, but either way, uh, Team Five Reasons went 2-2 two and two and bowed out, had a, had a nice victory over Team NBC6. I was very proud of that. But uh, it was great times. How did the Jason Taylor Foundation support their work and support the fish tank? Also check out Three Yards Per Carry, continuing talking about all the latest on the Dolphins, but Ethan, we just came off of. We're taping this basically straight at uh, straight after the final gun of the AFC Championship game, where the Patriots do it again. They're going to the Super Bowl for a third straight year, a ninth time in the Brady Belichick era, and I, I guess the summation of every Dolphins fan, and frankly, every non-Patriots fan, is just I'm just tired of this. But I will say the game was excellent, and what they had to do. In, on the final drive of the fourth quarter and the drive of overtime, it was impeccable work all, all the way down the field, and the Chiefs uh, put together an excellent second half. But, I, I mean, my God, it was flawlessly executed every third down, uh, save for the interception that should have been, if not for a dumb mistake by D. Ford. Uh, that was perfect. And I, I guess in some respects you want the Patriots to go and do it that way rather than the other team screwing up. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just think really the prevailing feeling is just we're sick of this, we're sick of their excellence, and you can't really say anything to Patriots fans because what are you going to say other than I'm just tired of you? But it, it really it, it was it was superb from them on the day, and and they deserve to be here. They do, and I know there's a Dolphin context to this too, because obviously this plays into when the Dolphins can actually announce Brian Flores. And I, and I do want to get more into sort of the Brian Flores defense. We talked about it a little bit last sure. week and kind of what happened today against the Chiefs, both the first half and the second half, because obviously those were two very different things. I think the frustration, um, well, there's two different frustrations here when it comes to the Patriots. I think there's just a general frustration from people who watch that team over the past 18, 19 years. And look, I think there's some full circle happening here. Their, their first Super Bowl, they were underdogs, big underdogs against yep. the Rams, the Kurt Warner greatest show on turf team. I, I covered that Super Bowl in New Orleans 
I was right after 9-11. It was kind of an emotional experience for everybody. U2 was, you know, did, you know, did the halftime performance with where the streets have no name with all the names of everybody who passed away in 9-11. Um, and so it was just it, it was a Super Bowl that a lot of people remember. And it was the beginning of the Patriots era. Uh, and really, you know, the end of the Rams and what looked like they'd have a dynasty. And now, you know, we come around almost two decades later and the Rams since then have moved, right, uh, <laughs> have have been Jeff Fishered, right, where yeah. they were sort of brought to their knees. And now they've come back. They've done all of those things and the Patriots are still here and the Dolphins are still irrelevant. It's like it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, two decades and all of that has happened. And so I think there's a general frustration from NFL fans that it's always the Patriots, that there always seems to be a call or two that goes the Patriots way. Now, I will say uh, the roughing the passer call today was ridiculous. Uh, the one that benefited the mm -hmm. Patriots. But it's also but it, it's in keeping with what the NFL has called. Like when and particularly from the angle at, at which the referee saw, he saw an arm swiping at the head of the quarterback. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But it's not like you haven't seen that called in this era of protecting the quarterbacks. I, I didn't. I, I, obviously, it's bad when you look at it on video, but. It's in keeping with what they've called. It is it's still ridiculous, and it still made it look like the Patriots were getting a big break there. And then there was the call I thought they got right, which was you know the ball that Edelman muffed but never touched. And I did think they got that one right. And then there were a couple of calls that went against the Patriots later, including, I guess, three on two plays uh, during one Chiefs drive. So things did even out a little bit. But I understand the general frustration that NFL have fans have with the Patriots sort of always getting a break. In fact, it was kind of funny. Tony Romo was like, the Patriots get a break there. I'm like, yeah, okay, and 18 more years of them. Uh, but hey, but to, to me, the funny thing about that narrative is if you ask Patriots fans, they would feel like the NFL hates them and the NFL was out to get them with the Deflategate thing and that the NFL would take any opportunity they would get to screw the Patriots. So I, it's just it's just funny to me how, like, Two different groups of people can view the exact same thing through two different prisms and feel two completely polar opposite different ways about it. I'm not saying that the idea that they get breaks all the time is wrong, but I'm just saying that if you ask Patriots fans and, and you ask them, what is your relationship with the NFL and, and its feeling about how much it benefits you or punishes you, they would feel very much like the NFL punishes them and that the league and, and, the, and the entire country is out to get them. That's why I would never ask a Patriot fan anything <laughs> about anything. Uh, spoiled, rotten, oh, uh, obnoxious, the worst. Uh, the worst breed of fan that could exist anywhere. Okay, but let me ask you a question. Yes. What would you, okay, what would you say is the best fan base? It's not them. Like the least obnoxious, the fan base. Oh, I like them. Uh, whoever that is, if you gave them 17 seasons of winning and getting to nine Super Bowls, they would be pretty damn annoying by the end of it. Like, I don't no think one, there's a, there's no one in New England cared about the Patriots until that Super Bowl right. win against the Rams. Nobody. Okay? I don't think people it, in New England care. People in Boston didn't care about the Patriots. It was a They're, Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins town. Sure, uh, they didn't even play in it, Boston. Yeah, not in that order. Well, maybe in that order. It might have been yeah. Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, certainly third. The Patriots were fourth. So, I, you know, this I they are the most obnoxious fan base in sports. I don't care who's less obnoxious. <laughs> They're the most obnoxious. <laughs> uh, and so so I, it's just the idea of them getting back again. Uh, that is irritating. And, and also uh, from the Dolphins perspective, I mean, what's irritating is you watch things that the Patriots do. And it's all the things the Dolphins cannot do, right? Yeah. So it's, I mean, the, the just, three just start, third with, just start with third and 10. Like, well, right. Well, yeah. the, it wasn't one. It was three. There were right. three third downs on that drive. 
And all they ran the same play three times uh, and hit it every single time. I mean, Tony Romo outcoached Andy Reid today. Uh, he called every play it was before amazing. it was going to happen. Amazing. I mean, in some respects, he kind of outcoached Josh McDaniels, didn't he? Because, like, he knows everything that the Patriots are going to do. And I guess in some respects, it's worse that the Chiefs don't know and the guy up in the booth does. But it's also, isn't it kind of embarrassing that for Josh McDaniels? Like, oh, yeah, they're going to throw to Edelman there. I guess the thing is, like, why don't the people in the field know this? Because, like, it was absolutely astounding. Like, I, I've, I've watched, I, I haven't watched a ton of the CBS prime time, just because I'm usually watching Red Zone whenever he's on commentary. So I'm not, like, actually sitting down to watch a Tony Romo game. And it's not like he did a Dolphins game this year either. So it, 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 today was obviously like probably the first time that a lot of people really sat down and listened to his commentary. And it, it kind of felt like the play calling had gone from his game a little bit, that he wasn't doing it as much. And it was a little bit more of a sanded down version of Tony Romo this year because uh, he comes out of the gate. But then I, there was a little bit of a backlash and you wonder if maybe there were like the more professional Tony Romo was coming out this year. Today was like... That first week, I remember it was Raiders-Titans last year for some reason was his first game, and it was all the same. The enthusiasm, the calling of the plays, like he might be the best analyst working in the game today, and he's only been at it for two years. I can't wait to watch him with the Super Bowl because he was incredible today. Yeah, well, but I, he's been incredible since he started, yeah. since the very beginning. Yeah. I, I don't – I mean, he just he just let me know basically. I, you know, I, I hurt my ankle a couple of days ago. Uh, <laughs> I know what the x-ray is going to say when I go in on Tuesday because Tony Romo told me. Also, I've decided to short the market Tuesday because uh, probably <laughs> because the, the trade deal between – Romo says the trade deal between China and the U.S. is going to break down and, and that Trump is going to impose more tariffs. So I've decided to short the market. Um, you know, I've already picked out the securities that I want to buy. That Brexit so he, deal doesn't look like it's going to go through. Tony Romo told me. That's right. I mean, he knows everything. And and so, you know, I mean, he called everything at the end of that game. The Chiefs didn't adjust. Uh, Andy Reid, uh, you know, took it as your cohort on the Pitch Invasion podcast tweeted, Ted Hill, um, it's a good thing that Andy Reid has those three timeouts to take into yeah. the offseason. Because, uh, I mean, there was no reason to actually try to gather his exhausted you know, defense together and put them out there. And I hate to say this because, look, if if one player on the Chiefs doesn't decide to line up in the neutral zone, right. uh, the, the Chiefs win this game. And we're not talking about Andy Reid getting out coached and not making the Super Bowl again. But, look, it's the way it played out. Belichick beat yeah. Reid again. And and he and I he's the best coach in the NFL to not win a Super Bowl at this stage. By a, by a pretty wide and, margin. And, and, and obviously, if you kind of value the infrastructure of Patrick Mahomes and everything that he does, like that's all that a lot of that is Andy Reid based. Like, even like the play, like the pick play for the touchdown was just flawless scheme. Like, as an offensive thinker and a, and, a, and a designer, he's so good. But obviously, he has these shortcomings in these big games. Only been to the one Super Bowl with the Eagles, which is what the, the Patriots' third um, and, and the final of that, of that kind of triumvirate of titles. And then and, uh, you know, all these years with the Eagles and now with the Chiefs where it's just that little bit short. And again, these are fine margins, but I, I agree with you. I think if you're going to have a go at Andy Reid for something today, it's in overtime. The Patriots are moving the ball downfield, not on one of the third downs. You want to take a timeout because that last touchdown, the one that Burkhead goes in and scores the winner, was play number 94 on the mm -hmm. day for New England. 94. Like and even and in, uh, that's one drive worth of overtime. Where I mean that that drive 
Well, let me see how many plays. It was 13 plays. So in regulation, uh, the, the Chiefs defense had 81 plays of defense compared to 47 plays of offense. It's, it was a complete imbalance, and you have to give your defense a break in some respect. Like It's not like you're guarding against the clock for them or something like that, where I get it why they didn't do it in regulation as much. But in, in overtime, you have to give that defense a break, especially as, again, you're playing really well on first and second down but can't get off the field on third down. Like Give your defense a chance to rest a little bit particularly because it's not a great defense to begin with right, right. so i mean it, it's not like you can just sort of say we're going to roll with our best guys they'll be fine uh don't worry about it i mean it, it's look andy reed um you know has been elite at offensive scheming um game planning quarterback calling within games all, all of those things uh but he has he has a quarterback development as you mentioned uh, but he has not been elite at game management. It's been known for a long, long time, and it kind of cropped up here a little bit at the end. Like I said, if they don't have the you know the guy in the neutral zone, the game's over. I mean, there were a lot of different plays that could have played out that way, but you knew once New England won the toss, they were going down the field to score, and it, it didn't matter that they ended up on third down. And getting back to the Dolphins' point here, I mean, this is the type of frustration like, did the Dolphins convert a third and 10 all year? I can't remember one. I like, <laughs> uh, uh, right? I mean, yeah. so, I, and, and they convert three in a row. And then you're also looking at it and you're like, well, Damian Williams had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which was four fewer touchdowns than uh, four fewer rushing touchdowns than the, uh, than the Dolphins had all season. Uh, Damian Williams, I guess one of them was a receiving touchdown, right? In the fourth, but the mm-hmm. other two. Uh, we're rushing touchdowns. Uh, so there are all these dolphin connections to it. You're watching Chris Hogan you know, make these clutch catches, 7-11 from the hard knocks, and you know another guy who's not there. And, and you're just watching the Patriots with guys who, I mean, let's just be honest here. And I, I don't want to make this a, I'm going to try to be careful here. Burkhardt, who's running you know, into the end zone there. Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman. <laughs> I, I mean, what are you trying I to mean, say, Ethan? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about elite athleticism here, I guess. Um, it doesn't seem to matter at all. And it's just, I guess what's what's so frustrating for, you know, if you're a Dolphin fan or around here is it doesn't seem to matter who Belichick has. Uh, it doesn't seem to matter who Brady has. And I tweeted early in the day that when you're watching the Patriots, you know, we can, we'll get to the Rams in a second, but when you're watching the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Saints, this is why you draft quarterbacks every year. Because if you get the right quarterback and you just keep trying to get the right quarterback, once you get that guy, the skill guys don't matter. They just don't. Like, mm-hmm. the, how many running backs have the Patriots taken to the Super Bowl? I, yeah. I, I mean, the only elite running back they've ever had was Corey Dillon, and that was his second team. You're talking and Antoine like Smith. A season and a half. Like- a season, you're talking Kevin Falk. You're talking yeah. uh, uh, Ridley. I don't even remember Ridley's first name. Stephon Ridley, right? Stephen Ridley. Uh, See, it doesn't even matter. I don't even know how he spells it. I mean, think think of all these running backs that they, they've yeah. taken to Lawrence Super Bowl. Maroney. Uh, uh, Lawrence Maroney, okay, who bombed out afterwards. LeGarrett Blunt. Yeah. LeGarrett Blunt, who, who Pittsburgh couldn't, you know, basically. Remember, do you remember Gray? Jo- was it Jonas Gray or the one good Sunday night game against the Colts? And then was, oh, another like, Dolphins. He was another later. Dolphins practice squatter, right? Yeah. He had like six touchdowns in like yeah. a half. Yeah, it's, uh, right. I mean, it, it makes absolutely no difference. And they're receivers. They're receivers, okay? Yeah. No Josh Gordon. So you're talking about. Corderell Patterson, who's not an NFL receiver. He's an NFL return man. Philip Dorsett. Now, this is another reason you draft a quarterback, because they got Philip Dorsett from the Colts, 
because the Colts got desperate for quarterback when Luck got hurt. And so they traded Brissett, who was third on their depth chart at the time, to the Colts to get Dorsett. And he makes a great touchdown catch today. Philip Dorsett may be the most disappointing high-drafted receiver to ever come out of the University of Miami. Yeah. Okay? Like, you're not talking about elite guys. Hogan, again, cut by the Dolphins. Cut by the Dolphins. Okay? And you're talking about him as a guy who's been an 18 to 20-yard catch guy with New England. And Julian Edelman was a quarterback in college. Okay? I mean, that's worked out better, him going from quarterback to receiver than receiver to quarterback went for the Dolphins. All right? So, uh, with Tannehill. So, it's I guess what's so frustrating if you're a Dolphin fan or a Dolphin observer is that the Patriots are able to make this happen with, with not elite talent. I mean, even even the elite receivers that they've gotten, right? So their best receiver from last year was playing for the Rams today, okay, which is Brandon Cooks, all right, who they dumped after getting a year of service for him and basically got back the same pick that they'd given up. They got Randy Moss after he'd kind of fallen out of favor uh, in Minnesota, right, and sort of wind his way out of town. And they got Josh Gordon and took a risk on him this year because – what happened was what everybody predicted was going to happen. Right. And I mean, so they haven't had elite talent, but they've had the quarterback and nothing else matters. And if there's one lesson that, that the dolphins should be taking from this, and I feel like Steve Ross finally is, if you need to draft seven quarterbacks this year, draft seven. Okay. I, I don't, I don't yeah. care if you ever take a guard again, keep going until you get your quarterback, because once you get the quarterback, all these other pieces, guys who are threes at the NFL level, three out of 10, end up looking like sevens with Tom Brady. Uh, and it's just, it's a totally different experience. So hopefully that's what people took from it. I mean, Damian Williams, right? Damian Williams, 3.4 yards of carry, Damian Williams in Miami. He's getting three touchdowns in the fourth quarter because he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. Could, could we stop overdrafting players at other positions and just find a freaking quarterback. I have a, I, I have a stat for you that backs you up on this. Uh, you asked if the Dolphins had converted any third downs and tens. Um, I, I have not tallied up the full breadth because there's some Brock Osweilers and some runs uh, that I have to look through. But uh, Ryan Tannehill this year uh, in third down and 10, uh, I'm going to total up the full number of third downs, but he only converted three of them. Uh, he converted... Uh, three of, I'm still doing the math here, uh, 36 third downs that he faced this year, uh, where, where, where he is involved in the play. Like there's some also where they just handed the ball off, uh, and, and ran on, on third downs, but three of 36 where he was actually involved in the play. Can you tweet that please? For <laughs> I'm going to retweet that one. That's that's yeah. me. That's yeah. I, I mean, this I mean is... like like Brock Osweiler in his very short stint uh, with uh, as, in charge of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I believe he converted one, two, three, four, five. Brock Osweiler converted five. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so third down and ten. Not a strength for the Dolphins. Uh, it, it's just been no, no. But I but I keep reading from uh, Manish Mehta uh, up at the uh, up, up at what is the Newsday Daily. I think, I think it's the New York Daily News he's with. The, the Daily News um, that Adam Gase and Sam Garnold is going to be what ends the yeah. Belichick raid. It's going to be what ends the <laughs> Belichick raid. Uh, I, I mean, I mean yeah. he, he literally like Belichick's going to get like five fat guys for the Y to play wide receiver, and he's going to beat Gase and and, uh, and that crew. Uh, up there with uh, up there with the Jets. Um, yeah, look, it, it's it's incredibly frustrating. Um, and, and it gets to the larger point here, which before we get into what happened, in the NFC championship game, which was a travesty, is that I, I don't I don't find this compelling in two weeks. I just don't. You like, don't? I, 
Oh, I think no, it's, I'm I over think, it. I, I think I'm, it's gonna I'm be great. It. Like, I think it's gonna be a great game because, like, the the one thing about the Patriots is they haven't blown anybody out in the Super Bowl. Like, they haven't gone out and beat the crap out of somebody. And I, I don't. And as much as you know, obviously, you talked about you know the lack of talent that Tom Brady is doing something with. Obviously, but like it's not just Tom Brady. Like the Patriots have a model. And Lewis Riddick was talking about this on television right after the game. I flipped over, and, and you talk about great analysts in Romo. I think Riddick is probably the best studio analyst going right now. And he was talking about how the Patriots don't necessarily value the most talented guy. They value the guy that will always do the right thing no matter what and that they have carved out a system and, and have you know found the guys that like execute those roles in precisely the way that they want them to. And he basically used it as a way to discredit D. Ford, who's a first-level talent, can be a great pass rusher, but screws up in the most important time of the game mm-hmm. in that Bill Belichick just doesn't... Those things just don't happen to Bill Belichick teams. Now... Uh, his quarterback did throw an interception uh, that was negate was negated by that mistake. Which again, if you're talking about flashpoints, I mean, it, it, within both games, both games have these incredible moments. That I mean, if one thing goes the other way, we're talking about an entirely different game uh, with the calls and all this stuff. And obviously, that interception is so massive in that uh, with with the offside, you know, being you know six inches over the neutral zone. It felt like one of those things that, like, yes, it's correct, but it just feels wrong, uh, at least in part because everyone's rooting for the everyone's rooting for the um uh for for the Chiefs. But it, it is it is one of those things where they just have this infrastructure and it works for them no matter what. And now they're going to the Super Bowl. I, I think this game is gonna be just like people say this about you know the Patriots Super Bowls, and then last year uh, they played an incredible game with Philly that goes down to the final four minutes, and it ends with them getting a strip sack fumble and winning the game. Uh, obviously, um, the the twenty eight to three comeback was incredible. Uh, the game that came down to the final play against Seattle was amazing, even though even though the Patriots went on and won it, like. These games have been really good. That go well, down to the, the, fir- end. the first game against it- the Rams was was a field goal game. The right. uh, the game against uh, Carolina was a field goal game. Yeah, right? I mean the, uh, the the biggest blowout was the Philly game, and that ended as a one score game. Uh, then you have the two Giants games uh, that that both went down to the end. Uh, like they've all been excellent. Like every last one of them, except for May, like the Philly game was only okay. It felt like the Patriots were going to win that throughout, but every other game has been really good. Obviously like the two weeks of buildup aren't as fun now, even though I think the Rams are a great story. And I think uh, they'll get, you know, obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of coverage and, and it'll be reward and it'll be due, but uh, obviously the Patriots story, there's no, there's no new ground there. Obviously I've, the new ground is actually for Dolphins fans uh, to learn more about their head coach because uh, he'll, he'll be uh, talked to at media day, but uh, th- there's not going to be new ground cover with this team. Their legacy is cemented. If they win a sixth Super Bowl versus a fifth Super Bowl, it only matters to Patriots fans. But uh, I think from a game standpoint, I-, I think it'll be great. I think any any pairing of the four teams that were left was going to result in a great game. Like I was surprised that people were like, no, I don't want the Saints to win because then the Super Bowl will be bad. It's like, what are you talking about? The Saints are awesome to watch. The Patriots are awesome to watch in Super Bowls. Like I, I- I'm I- obviously the buildup is less fun now than if you had the you know we're gonna have the rematch of Rams Chiefs and we're gonna spend two weeks talking about how the the referees screwed over the Saints but I, I think the Super Bowl will be just fine I want to introduce you to one of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network and that is Brunt Insurance where you can find all of your protection under one roof they offer home auto commercial and life insurance and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida that's Pensacola 
all the way to the keys. They've got multiple carriers for all the product lines. Ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your area. And I can speak to this personally because I sent Greg Brunt all of my insurance policies that I had with other companies. He came back to me, he said, well, one of them you're doing okay, so just keep that one where it is. But I had one for a condo and I had one for my cars. And he said, in both cases, I could be doing better. He saved me $700. Took one phone call, 15 minutes. I don't want to use 15 minutes because somebody else uses that. It took 14 minutes. And he got all of that stuff taken care of uh, for me. So check out bruntinsurance.com. That's bruntinsurance.com. Greg's also a proud sponsor of the Homes for Heroes program. That means if you're a first responder, teacher, military, or healthcare professional, you'll get a special discount from bruntinsurance.com. Here's the phone number if you prefer to do that, 954-589-2204. They've all been great games, but it's yeah. the two weeks before that I can't tolerate. Yeah. And so so it, to me, that colors the game. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to rehash all of the internal Belichick Brady stuff. I mean, I, did we go through this like a year in a year and a half ago where supposedly the, the foundation was crumbling. The dynasty was crumbling yeah. because, because, because of Brady's trainer, because of the Garoppolo thing. I mean, yeah. everybody was wrong about all that stuff. I mean, none of that crap matters. I, I don't, I, don't even, I mean, it, it, it might, it, I don't think it mattered to the outcome. I believe all of it. Like I, I believe, oh, I, 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 believe I, I, I believe I believe that Belichick and Brady are like you know are sort of like uh, a married couple that are just uh, seeing out the marriage until the kid goes off to college. Like I, it's it's one of those things that like I, I'm not. I, that, that's probably what that's going to look like. They probably don't like each other very much. They're like, they're, they're probably just keeping it all together. And they're just so excellent that they just can't help, but get to the damn Super Bowl. But I, I, I don't, I think all that stuff is probably true. But like you said, it didn't matter on their ability to win. No, it didn't, but you're right. I mean, they're waiting for the kid to go to college. I mean, it's 18 years now, right? So it's <laughs> right, basically, exactly. right. I mean, <laughs> that's I mean, funny. Yeah. It, this thing was born against the Rams in 2001 and, yeah. and here we are in 2019. And, and uh, and yeah, the kid's gonna go down the street to Boston College. I it's it's I I just don't want to hear it again. I, I'm not interested yeah. in the in the you know the Brady Giselle stuff. I'm not interested in particularly. Maybe this is a personal problem for me. I'm not interested in the Brady Trump relationship and the Belichick Trump relationship. Go Rams and, and, and the craft um, and the the craft Trump relationship and the craft Trump craft who's like responsible for the only uh, the only public moment that reminded me that the president is a human being. Uh, when he he told the story of like uh, of, of the president calling him after his wife died, but like that's like the only time that I've been reminded in in four years that that he's really been involved in in political life. Oh yeah, he's a human being. But like other, but it's it, it, again, you're right. It's it's all these tired tropes, all these things mm-hmm. uh, that that have that you know have, it's well plowed ground. There's nothing new here. Uh, you know, media day is going to happen, and I like I feel bad for the journalists that have to go in there and ask original questions like. What original? Like, what questions do you have left? What new storyline are you going to come up with? Like, there is no storyline. It's the Patriots. They're really good. Right. And everybody okay. missed. Everybody missed the storyline last year, which was apparently something was going on with Malcolm Butler that week. Right. Uh, exactly. That, yeah. That, that convinced Belichick not to play his best cornerback and and ends up getting shredded by Nick Foles. And you know, it's it's funny how you know that sort of passed, right? Like Belichick is kind of. I mean, he's back on the Super Bowl and. I mean, he basically cost him the Super Bowl last year, in my view, and it doesn't really get talked about. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, I think it, it's tired. Now, on the other side, and I, I want to transition to the Rams now and the Saints, you know, I don't know how much time we want to devote to the, one of the worst calls in professional sports history. Um, it, it's, 
Is it to you? Uh, let me just throw this at you. I know you're biased on this, um, uh, but I give you Terry Porter, Ohio State, <laughs> Miami. Yeah. And I give you what happened today, which I screenshotted and put on five reasons sports. Um, let's, I mean, the significance of one call was the Terry Porter call actually ended the game. I sure. mean, that was it. Uh, so, I mean, that yeah, was finality there. Yeah. And like, right. I mean, there, there was an opportunity here for the saints to rebound from this. Uh, I just go back to what happened with Stefan Diggs last year too. I mean, the saints, man, I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm no big Jeff Ireland fan, but I kind of feel badly for him now. Cause I mean, he, he yeah. really could have I mean, been in the and, Super Bowl and, each and of the past Bre- few years Breeze and Peyton, that whole setup. Like you think about obviously the, the fan base in Kansas city, was like hosting their first AFC championship game ever today. And they're a pretty tortured fan base themselves. And even though new Orleans has won, like it, it is a little bit like, you know, Brady with, I'm sorry, uh, Manning with the Colts. You're like, how have they only won one given the, the, the strength of their offense for a decade? Uh, but I mean, the, it's just a devastating way to go out in the champ in the conference championship game. Losing that way. is just heartbreaking for them. So which was worse. So which was um, worse. Yeah. Which I is mean, the worst call. I guess in in the New Orleans case, it was a little bit more of it, w- it was an obviously bad call and kind of everyone knew it. Whereas like the Ohio State fans was like, even if you're a Rams fan, there was a viral video. Go- I don't think that's indicative of Rams fans, but it is definitely indicative of an apathy in Los Angeles. The viral video of these you know, two uh, these two pairs of people at a bar in Los Angeles watching, and they're like very half-heartedly celebrating like that Los Angeles won. And generally, I, I think that'll definitely be a narrative how uh, Los Angeles doesn't really care about football and they don't. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Care about their NFL teams like they care about where they came from NFL teams. But I, I, I still think like if you're a Rams fan, you're like, oh yeah, that was bad. Whereas the Ohio State fans will still argue, ah, that wasn't really pass interference. And, and there was an element of controversy about it. Whereas this was just cut and dry. Like it was obviously a bad decision uh, no, no no matter how you try to put you know to to look at it it was obviously the wrong call um i i, I will say as much as obviously the uh, the ohio state thing felt like all right well and then ohio state went and scored i don't think that i i'd I have to go back because obviously uh, these these details fade from memory but i think the cane still had a chance to touch the ball after ohio state scored i don't i don't remember correctly but uh but it, it's it's one of those things where if New Orleans gets that first down, they can run out the clock and kick the field goal and win the game. And so, mm-hmm. um, or, 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 or score the touch. I, I, forget, I forget the scenario, but obviously it, it's one of those things where it directly impacts uh, the outcome of the game. And I, it, it just, it, to me, it's just the element of it being so cut and dry. I think that the fact that the narrative went to, well, we have to have replay now cover everything. 
uh, w- was just sort of indicative of the fact that it's no longer about this call. It's about, you know, how, how can we prevent this from happening again? Whereas I think in the moment, there was a lot of controversy, even as even as Dan Fouts is shouting, bad call, bad call. Um, I, I, I still think that, uh, you know, if you're a Ram fan, you can't argue with that, whereas the Ohio State fans will still argue that that wasn't pass interference. We'll get back to our episode here in a second, but I first want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You know, a new year is once again upon us. Thousands of Floridians have not yet received fair compensation for their Hurricane Irma and Michael claims. If your claim was denied, underpaid, or assessed below your deductible, you can have a free consultation with an extremely experienced insurance attorney that's at the law office of Lloyd J. Heilburn. Call 561-727-3636 or email ljh at heilbrunlaw.com. That's ljh at h-e-i-l-b-r-u-n-n-l-a-w.com or contact through their website, heilbrunlaw.com. The law office of Lloyd J. Heilbrun handles insurance, personal injury, and wrongful death cases on a no-fee, no-cost, unless there's a recovery basis well i don't know that the rams fans can argue well first thing i don't know that there are rams fans second thing um <laughs> i i don't i don't know that rams fans can argue with it when todd Gurley posted on his instagram uh, a photo of himself with an official uh which was an ultimate troll if you haven't checked it right. out uh, which, you should which, I, which, I, I, I i made fun of uh, mike lombardi on twitter because he thought it was real <laughs> oh is that right <laughs> he thought it was a real picture not a photoshop uh which oh, is no. which is funny because and i was tweeting about this during the game that the referee bill vinovich uh, in the Rams' last eight games that he's officiated, the Rams are 0-8, and, and the Rams fans had actually started a petition uh, to get him off the game because he was perceived to have an anti-Rams bias, and yet the biggest call of the year comes in favor of the Rams from that from his officiating crew. It wasn't his call, but it was his officiating crew that gave the Rams his victory. I, I, I just found that amusing as it was happening because I, I remember vaguely hearing, oh, yeah, the Rams fans really seem to hate this official. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then and, and I always find this thing stupid. Um, and like, I, again, and, and I got into an argument today about, you know, whether like, you know, because gambling is now more of a thing, like if you could think that was fixing or if you thought that was a fix, like why can't people just be incompetent? Why do they have to be nefarious too? Like that, that for me was just incompetency, uh, which again, if you're a New Orleans fan, I, I, I've always struggled with how to feel about calls, right? My, my feeling has always been um, if my team didn't play well enough to deserve it, I'm more mad about my team not playing well enough. I don't think this is one of those instances. I think New Orleans did more than enough to win the game, particularly at the beginning. They were dominating that game. Maybe you can criticize them for not having a bigger lead and not scoring touchdowns when they kick field goals, but I, I, I thought that the, the the Saints did everything to deserve that game and they got screwed in a call. I just don't know where you direct that anger after. Like, oh, we got screwed. Damn. Like, I, I just like... Other than continuing to complain about it, and every time Bill Vinovich shows up to referee a Saints game, he's going to be the one you know hated by the Saints fans now. I just don't know where you direct that anger or what you do after that. I don't know that he will officiate another Saints game. I, right. I, 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 I think they'd be smart not to have that happen. Uh, yeah, there is no other way to look at it. I mean, it's just an absolutely ludicrous call. I mean, it was yep. wrong on two counts. So I, I, I don't know how you – I mean, there's no way the NFL can explain – uh, that away. And you're right. The Saints did play well enough to win. I, I thought there were some places where I thought Peyton could have been more aggressive than he was. Yep. Well, I mean, uh, for me, it, it, it probably if not for that call, the biggest thing we'd be talking about was McVeigh kicking the field goal 
on fourth mm. and goal from the half inch from the half yard line and and deciding to kick the field goal and tie the game instead of going uh, for the lead because if the Saints go on to win from there you can pretty directly uh, go back to that decision surprising conservatism from those two uh, obviously given their background which was one of the things we talked a lot about with Adam Gase is that I just kind of always associate that if you're one of these offensive gurus that's trying to have your team score 55 points a game that you just always go forward on fourth down you'd always trust your offense and you'd always like want to do the most aggressive thing and yet some of these guys just shrivel up in the big moments it's surprising to me well they I mean they do because uh, I mean we've always said it I mean coaches coach differently in the playoffs um it's true in the NBA to a certain degree too although I, obviously you know you're not calling plays like you're calling plays in the NFL they're you know pretty much the same stuff you're running but in terms of the rotations that you use and other things like that you don't take as many chances it's just sort of natural in that situation I I do think you know, one of the things that's going to be talked about a lot here, and we'll sort of go through five storylines for the Super Bowl. I mean, the number one storyline uh, is obviously going to be Brady because it's Brady. And, you know, we're going to keep talking about how long can he play and all the, all those other things and whether he was washed up. And you know, now he's taken this, you know, sort of me against the world posture, which I still think is a little silly. Uh, but the number two is going to be McVeigh and Belichick. And I just saw that uh, McVeigh, I guess, was a, a sophomore in high school when Belichick won his first Super Bowl um, with, with the Patriots. I mean, so that's going to be a big storyline here, particularly because Belichick is very involved in the defense still. And I know we want to hit on Brian Flores uh, and McVay is still very involved, obviously in the offense. And so they're kind of going directly against each other. And I, I do think that there's going to be sort of this push uh, as there was here with Mahomes and Brady uh, to sort of say that now, okay, that, that there was going to be a changing of the guard, right? Now, now you know, you had the hot quarterback, which is Mahomes, and now you've got the hot young coach, which is McVay. And so I think that's going to be a huge storyline in this game, this Belichick-McVay uh, thing. I, I think there are a couple of others uh, that, that are going to be interesting for, for sort of South Florida fans to a degree. I think Ndamukong Sue playing in the Super Bowl um, will be interesting to Dolphin fans. He seems to have... He had a really big game last week. I thought he played well against today, so I think that'll come up. And obviously, uh, the other you know sort of dolphin connection. So I think that will be mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the storylines. Would, would have been Damian Williams if the Chiefs had gone. If the if the Chiefs had made it, are there a couple others you think are going to come up here? I always used to do this because I covered nine Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So what we would always do before we went for the week was okay. All right, what are our you know five to ten stories? Like because you got a whole week with people, you're trying to get them on media day, but also other days. And there were always sort of storylines that come up. I mean, one I came up with, obviously, you, I saw you think you've hit on it, is that you've got these two, you know, major cities in Boston and, and Los Angeles, who just, by the way, competed in a World Series. Um, yeah. And in the World Series, people in L.A. really care. <laughs> For this, mm-hmm. I don't know that they really do. I think that's going to be a major storyline, too, because, I, you know, as you mentioned, Los Angeles, they've embraced the Rams more than the Chargers by a pretty right. wide margin. But and, still, and, and for the and for the Cowboys awesome. game, for the Cowboys game, there was a pretty representative crowd for the Rams there, particularly in a game in which obviously if it was Chargers, if it was Chargers Cowboys in a playoff game, that would have been like ninety eight two in favor of the Cowboys. But um, but yeah, I mean the 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 lack of interest in L A is definitely going to be a storyline in the Super Bowl. But I, in in terms of the other ones, um, obviously Flores is you know one two three and four. Uh, and kind of figuring that stuff out, and you'd probably ask all the defensive players about about Flores and 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 trying to get any possible read. Um, obviously, their domination over you in the division. Maybe I guess if if you're looking towards 
um, you know, the future and you're talking about the Dolphins going for a guy in 2020 is a storyline. All right. When is this going to end? And when it ends, are the Patriots, you know, going to have the foundation uh, to go on, even if Belichick leaves uh, when when this finally ends? I guess that's that's maybe one thing uh, that you explore and just sort of the longevity of this, uh, even from now, because I, I mean, every year, that's a question when you have a 41 year old quarterback. But um, but yeah, I mean, from from a Rams point of view, I guess there isn't much other than Sue. Um, maybe the fact that you're not going in the direction of the league uh, when everyone's trying to find McVay, uh, and literally anyone who's a friend of McVay is getting hired to be a head coach and you're kind of going in the opposite direction of the rest of the league. I guess that's one way you can approach it. But yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of the rest of the connection with the Rams, there's not a ton there. Yeah, I, I don't know that there is. And there's no, the other thing is about these Patriot teams, the, the longer that they've been in this dynasty phase, the less kind of players other than Brady really mm-hmm. stick out. So yeah. like when, when you went back to the sort of the early years of their tenure, you had a Willie McGinnis, you had a Ty Law, right? You had a Teddy Brewski, Richard Seymour. Yeah, right. Brewski, Seymour, who, by the way, being ahead of Zach Thomas in the final 15 as a finalist for the Hall of Fame is Ludicrous. ridiculous. But that's a story for another day. Uh, but Brewski, Vrabel, uh, you know, these the same guys who were mm-hmm. kind of there every year that they were building the defense around and then they would transition to a new group of leaders, you know, and there was a lawyer Malloy. They, they, there were names you knew. Rodney I feel Harrison. like with the, who's that? Rodney Harrison. Yeah, Rodney Harrison too. Yeah. He was kind of, he came after from the Chargers. And kind of but, like becomes the public face of it when he goes on television. Right, but now I, I don't, I mean, who who is the face of this team other than Brady? Is it, None, I, I guess, Gronk, right. right? He's breaking down. Edelman. There's nobody on, is there anybody on defense that whose name you know? Like, and, and obviously like, you know, we, we pay attention to this stuff probably a lot more closely than the average fan. But like, if you're just, you know, one, like let's say viewer number 30 million to 50 million uh, that was you know, probably tuned into this game today, just a casual that's only here for the big games. Like how many Patriots defenders do you know by name? Like even me that, you know, I'm, I'm paid. like, I know who Kyle Van Noy is for whatever reason. Uh, Trey Flowers is a guy that some of the nerds have talked about as kind of their High best. Tower. Yeah, Dante Hightower is one of their best defensive players. Uh, Stephen Gilmore in the secondary, or is it Stephon Gilmore in the secondary? But like, this is, I mean, as no name a team as it gets. Like, there's no running back. Edelman's the receiver, but I mean, what do we really know about Julian Edelman? Uh, like, this is a no name team outside of Tom Brady, but that's. In some ways, that's kind of the way that Belichick wants it, doesn't he? And, like, he gets criticized and deservedly so at times for not really being interested in talent. Uh, and, and at times, maybe at looking that like the Patriots are short of talent. But you get to three straight Super Bowls. It's an unimpeachable approach. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Berlitz Broward. You may be familiar with the Berlitz method of teaching languages. I can speak to it directly because about a year ago, my daughter was about three and a half years old. I put her in Berlitz Broward. This is over on Flamingo Road in Pembroke Pines because we wanted her to learn Mandarin. She already knows English and Spanish fluently, but kids have an easier time learning languages at times than adults do. So we figured that she might enjoy it. Not only does she now enjoy it, she now counts up to 100. She knows all the colors and shapes. When we go to Chinese restaurants, she speaks Mandarin with the waitresses. She orders for us. Sometimes not the greatest, but it's pretty amusing to actually watch it. But the other thing that Berlitz does for you is they have adult programs. And so that's actually what we want to introduce you to today. Their adult programs, they teach languages English, French, Spanish, Mandarin, Italian, German, Portuguese, and more. So if you ever wanted to learn any of those languages, or maybe English is not your first language and you want to learn how to pronounce better 
and be better in the business space, that's something that they can work with you on. So I'm going to give you a phone number here. Make sure that you call and mention five reasons. Here is the phone number, 954-743-0077. So again, they have kids programs, but they got plenty of adult programs. And I can tell you because we've been doing it, they will work with your schedule. Whatever works with you in terms of when you have to work, when you've got things with your family, they will put you on the schedule and they will get you the right instructor. So again, mention five reasons, 954 954- 743-0077. It is, but the Rams have more name players, I think, right? Like uh, overall, like Aaron Donald, I mean, I mean, again, casuals may not know, but but anybody who follows football at all right. knows how good Aaron Donald is. Mm-hmm. Sue is, is a name brand, yeah. even though he plays that position. Todd Gurley, obviously, is more yeah. of a name than any of the running backs uh, for the Patriots at this stage, even though Sonny Michelle looks like he was a really good draft pick and they've kind of revamped their offense around him. It's just, yeah, there's just not a lot of, sort of new personalities that get attention outside of new England. It's like Belichick and Brady have swallowed the whole thing. Like it's, it's just about them. And it's really, what's going to be interesting when this thing is over, uh, whenever it is, whenever (laughs) Belichick leaves or Brady retires is who is remembered from the Patriots. Because look, when you look at the Steelers dynasty teams, like, there's like seven or eight guys on that defense that yeah. stood the test of time. When even when you look at the you know the Dolphins seventy two seventy three team, even though Bonacani was the only defensive player that ended up getting in, there were a lot of those names. Even though they're called the no names, uh, that that people remembered the Dallas Cowboys. Like if you go to the Jimmy Johnson teams, okay, it was Aikman, right? But it was also Emmett, was also Irvin, it was also uh, Charles Haley, it was also Darren Woodson. A lot of the guys on that defense, okay, that that flashed. At various times, like, but with the, with the Patriots, I feel like there'll be some memory of the early players, and right. and then it's just Brady, right. and and that, and that's really and Welker and Edelman, yeah, and, and, and they're, they're they're white guy receivers, right? You that's know, it, and right? Hogan Which was kind of what I was getting at, and Edelman, and all, all these, you know, all the tiny white guys that know exactly the spot on the field that Tom Brady's going to throw to and know how to get there and have a, a half yard of separation, which would happen on one of those third and tens where like I saw it like coming out of the, the, the bottom of the screen. It's like, all right, Edelman's going to be open here by a half step and Tom Brady's going to put it precisely where it needs to be. Like it was just, it was flawless. But again, you're right. Like it, they've gone to three straight. They've actually been to more Super Bowls in this era than in the era that you're talking about of some of those players. And yet, it's just such an it's such an anonymity about it. It's strange, and obviously some of it's by design because I imagine those guys aren't terribly available to the media. And even if they are, it's not like they're going to be you know stepping out of line very much. It's like there's a lot of characters. Whereas the Rams are kind of the exact opposite. Like they are the team of characters. They are the team of you know let a lot of people you know and a, a lot of things that are meant to be done with Los Angeles in mind, right? And trying to build some stars um, as opposed to the Patriots that are trying to do the exact opposite. And as we look at the game right now, and we'll get into more of that as some of these personalities emerge over the next two weeks. I don't know that we're going to do a ton of Super Bowl episodes, but obviously we'll do more of a full-fledged preview. Um, As we talk here, the Rams start as a one-point favorite. Yeah, a little bit I, of a surprise to me. I, I feel like a lot of the money is going to come in on the other sure. side and make it, a, make especially game. especially early. I think I, we might we want like we're taping this podcast on a Sunday night. We might make up wake up in the morning and it already be Patriots by two. Because like I like I would imagine that the action, uh, particularly from the public, like the public is going to be hammering the Patriots. And frankly, I would join them. Like the one thing that I still don't know if like if we're talking about a football storyline, like in the traditional way that people break down the Super Bowl, is like, do, does anyone trust Jared Goff yet? 
Because, like, right. everything, like, you talk about third down and 10 with Brady. Like, the third down and longs today, even though Goff got some of them, like, I just don't trust him. And, like, without the gadgetry of the McVay offense, without the, you know, the run to set up the play action, and, with like, when it's just him on third down and nine with a shotgun drop back, like, I don't know if I trust him yet. Like, I, where are we with Jared Goff in terms of, you know, you know, belief and in terms of thinking he's go, he's a good quarterback that the Rams are going to want to pay a lot of money to? Like, there was a story that came out today. Like, Mahomes been the starter for a year, and already the report today was he's going to be the first $200 million quarterback. And no one bats an eye. It's like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Kansas City's going to pay him a crap load of money. Like, I, I don't know if I'm McVay, if I don't just bring in another first-round quarterback in and try and just replicate it with the system rather than pay this guy that we really don't know how good he is. He is you know twenty five million a season, and yet if he wins the Super Bowl, you're kind of going to have to like with the Flacco thing. Yeah, well, certainly. I, I, can he be a top ten guy? I don't think he is right now. I, I, I guess he could be. I think I sort of see him more f- falling into that kind of ten to fifteen space, right. maybe. Right, which uh, is the space that uh, which is the space for me of guys you don't want to pay, of guys you want to have on rookie deals that probably are like if Jared Goff was the quarterback of the Dolphins. I mean, first off, do we know if he breaks out of the funk that he had in year one? And mm-hmm. and, and secondarily, like, is it is it a ton different this past year if Jared Goff is your quarterback for 16 games and, you know, compare? I mean, obviously, he's way better than Brock Osweiler and he's better than Ryan Tannehill. But how much and, and to what degree does he does he is he responsible for the winning as opposed to the entire infrastructure and construct that's built around him? Obviously, that'll be a primary storyline from a football point of view of this game. But uh, I, I do. I do kind of find interesting that, you know, the quarterback of one of the Super Bowl teams, I mean, if, if you're just doing it based off that, like you trust Tom Brady so much more, uh, even even with the lack of the infrastructure uh, around him that Goff has, like I, I, I'm betting on the Patriots just because of that. Like I, I trust Tom Brady so much more. And I think like Bill Belichick having two weeks to prepare for, for, you know, figuring out all the gadgetry of their offense and trying to figure out how to put pressure on Jared Goff. He's going to come up with something. I mean, he shut down, I mean, him and Flores shut down uh, uh, Mahomes for a half. Now, obviously the second half didn't go as well, but they're definitely going to scheme some difficulties for Jared Goff. And I don't know how he reacts to it. Well, my counter to that though, would be that they lost to Nick Foles last year. And True. so no, you're right. I, I, I don't know that Nick Foles is better than Jared Goff. I mean, I, you know, n- now we've seen some things since that make you think that might be the case, but uh, he wasn't good enough to go into the season with this year. And, you know, they obviously were going back to Wentz. So, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, look, I, I think Goff is good enough. Um, I don't think we've seen uh, his upside. I do think when you watch Goff and you watch Mahomes, you see a different level of upside there for a young quarterback. Like, I, th- I think whereas Jared Goff can be kind of Alex Smith plus maybe, um, you know, Mahomes, you know, is may- maybe Aaron Rodgers. I, I, that's a, you know, so it, it's it's kind of a different level there and again interesting because you know rogers and alex smith were flipped in their own draft right. the wrong direction but i i, I, have, a, I have a question for you ethan because uh, mm-hmm. you, you have a bit more experience with it, having covered it a little bit more obviously i was too young at the time is there any is there any whiff of this season for patrick mahomes and obviously getting knocked out in the championship game of marino's first season of just like so yeah. far and away exceeding expectations, five thousand yards, uh, fifty touchdowns for Marino. It was you know a, a rookie record and all of that, and 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 all of and obviously what he accomplished in that year one was insane. I was watching some of it on YouTube the other day because there was some conversation about Marino on Twitter. And but like obviously he gets to the one Super Bowl and never goes back. I'm not saying that Mahomes is never going to go back, but th- there is a whiff of it for me, which is this incredible passer that bursts onto the scene and like. 
maybe maybe he doesn't you know end up becoming the guy that's perennially in the Super Bowl every year and maybe just comes that little bit short like I feel like Mahomes is comp right now after one year of being the starter is Marino what's well, a great comp I I do think you have to look at circumstances being a little different here uh, you know one, one thing that always you know does get mentioned and should get mentioned is that Dan did his in a different era. Um, right. So he was, he was even further, you know, ahead of the pack than Mahomes was this year. Like, whereas when Mahomes were having a discussion, you know, should he a breeze for the MVP and, you know, and, and if Rogers had been healthy, would he have put up similar numbers and some of the other guys with Marino, there was just no one close. I mean, it was, it was, it was men against boys. So it's a little bit of a different situation. I, I think the one thing that is similar is that the Chiefs' defense is not very good, and Marino's defenses were never very good until the very end. And by then, you know, by the time they drafted Jason and Zach, uh, he just couldn't do it anymore. And his coach Jimmy Johnson wanted to take the ball out of his hands anyway. So I, I do think that you know, obviously, with Mahomes, it's going to come down to is you know, is the surrounding talent good enough around him? And for that, I do think that the Rodgers comparison. Uh, is apt because I think what we've seen in Green Bay is that they had a very strong infrastructure around him when he first took over. And I think that cratered over the years, you know, when they started, you know, all of a sudden his running back was a converted wide receiver and his, you know, they weren't the level of player that they were bringing in when kind of Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson were at their peak was not the same anymore. So uh, it can happen to any quarterback. I mean, where it takes a while to get back. I mean, it's, it's rare to have, a situation like Roethlisberger's had in Philadelphia, or excuse me, in Pittsburgh, or uh, or you had with with uh, with Brady in New England, where it's just constantly been replenished, and you know the coaching is consistent and all that. I think if Reed is there for a long period of time, it'll be fine. Um, but then again, Shula was in Marino for the whole thing yep. until '96, and and then you know obviously you've had uh, you know with Rodgers. I mean, it was basically you know McCarthy um, for all these years and. You know, we saw that that sort of petered out the last couple of years until McCarthy finally got fired. So it's an interesting comp. Um, I do see some similarities between the two in the sense of uh, there's not a throw they won't make. Yeah. And and you saw that with Mahomes today. He wasn't playing. He didn't play a good first half. And yet, you know, he kept attacking, attacking, attacking. Still throws that and, double move 45 yards downfield yeah. to Tyreek Hill in the double coverage. No problem. Exactly. So I, I do think that there's a similarity there. And I think. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. So let's transition here real quick, though, because I, I do want to hit Brian Flores before we go, because sure. um, now the Dolphins will be able to interview him again this week and basically have a conversation with him to set up the staff. There's really no feeling that they're going to back out or that he's going to back out. So mm -hmm. this appears to be a done deal. And it's just formality. They can't have an official press conference. You would, now you would have thought. You would have thought when the Cowboys team. went out that if you know Richard was still under consideration, yes. that he would have gotten another interview. That was the one thing that I kind of failed to realize until today when I was thinking about Flores. I was like, oh, if if Richard was still under consideration, like that would have been a thing this week, and it wasn't. Like there was no conversation with the Dolphins talking to Chris Richard again. So you know that Flores is going to be the guy. Right. And there's been nothing about Harbaugh either. So that that's right. that that's out. I mean, it appears uh, I guess he's going to stay in Baltimore uh, at this stage. So I, I guess just real quick here with with uh, with Flores, I saw aggressive defense again in the first half. Um, a lot of mixing of coverages. Uh, O.J. McDuffie made that point, too, on Twitter that, that he saw a lot of the same things, um, you know, giving up a lot of points in the second half or fourth quarter to Patrick Mahomes is certainly no crime. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams do that. Do you take anything out of this game from him? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously in the first half, and, and what they did to Phillip Rivers last week was super impressive. Again, 
the thing that is always the concern is that how much of this is Brian Flores executing a play call and game plan that you know he helped put together, and how much of it is what Bill Belichick does? Because obviously, uh, you saw. I, I mean, I'm I'm listening to you on the radio, and Tony Baselli is picking out uh, that they were double teaming uh, Tyreek Hill, and that they were trying to you know show him into areas where he wasn't going to be a threat, and then they put their best corner uh, on on the other top receiver, Sammy Watkins, and so uh, like obviously, like those are things that are associated with Belichick. And again, if they come with him, which is like we're going to take away your best thing and you're going to have to figure out what your best thing is. It took the it took the Chiefs a half, which for me is such a victory, especially uh, we, and, and I've talked about the uselessness of the phrase complimentary football um, because um, it's just one of those things that makes no sense to me, which is basically, uh, all right, we're going to be good. And then the other area, we're going to be good on offense. And then what we're going to try and do is while we're being good on offense, we're going to be good at defense. And then while we're being good at defense, we'll be good on special teams. So basically, right. you're just asking for your team to be good at everything. All right, that's 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 a sound strategy. Uh, but it, it definitely worked out where um, the Patriots, they go on this ridiculously long opening drive, uh, 15 plays, 80 yards. They just showed it on television. Um, and uh, and then the Patriots defense comes out and forces them to go three and out. And then the Patriots get to get another long drive and go all the way into uh, the territory, uh, all the way into Chiefs territory before eventually punting. So uh, again, it's just uh, one of those things where the defense for me um, was impressive from New England today in the second half. It's just going to be hard to slow down that barrage. But in the first half, what you saw them doing was it was Belichick genius. Again, you don't know what Flores has to do with it, but if it's anything, then it's really impressive because uh, what they did to Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I can't imagine they've had another scoreless half this year. I, I just can't. And then they go in the half up 14 nothing. I guess you can criticize them for not closing down the door on a 14-point lead and maybe even giving it away. But uh, some of that was, you know, coming off turnovers and and, and that. So I, I came away impressed on the day with Brian Flores. And I think, uh, you know, someone like CK, who's on three yards per carry, has um, articulated very well the the variety and and you know using dbs uh, a lot more six and seven dbs in the game compared to what the dolphins have done so there are definitely scheme things in there but again it's a bill belichick defense and that that's his baby that's what he works on that's i think primarily where he exerts his genius and so uh you don't know how much brian flores took on board in a year you don't know how much brian flores has taken on board over 10 years but if it's enough to that, obviously you're slowing down the best offense in the league and holding and holding them to no points through a half. Then yeah, I'll have a bit of that. But again, uh, you don't know how much of that is Belichick. We'll get into it more as the week progresses. Obviously, we're gonna have to wait on that Brian Flores press conference. We're gonna have Vinny Goodwill on Vinny's now with Yahoo Sports. He's their national NBA writer. We're gonna have him on to talk a little Heat and NBA here over the course of the week the heat had kind of a, a you know it's sort of another weird week where they don't play particularly well against detroit it takes them forever uh, to sort of put away chicago and then they don't miss a shot in the fourth quarter so we'll get into the heat a little bit more here as we go forward Dion waiters wayne ellington what's going on with all that and we'll talk to you soon thank you for listening to the fire in the pocket thank you so much you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
Facebook guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.